0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, whatever you think about the military onslaught being waged against the people of
1: Gaza by the Israeli state, there's no question that it would not be possible without the support of the United States of America, the last global superpower, of course, and the key protector, defender, armor of Israel, without the arms, diplomatic support, political support, aid that the US offers, none of this would be possible. That's a straightforward fact. You don't have to agree or disagree with me about Gaza, that that's a fact. So it's really important, actually, that I speak to a brilliant guest, Wally Shahid, who is a progressive uh, strategist, the former spokesperson of the Justice Democrats, who played uh, such a fundamental role in helping to build the new generation of progressive Democrats. We can see them, of course, with the squad um, in the Congress, but also politicians across the United States. I think that gives us a lot of hope um, for the future of progressive politics in the US. And Raleigh's played a pivotal role in all of that. So a key person to speak to. How you doing?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me, Owen.
1: Okay, let's just start, shall we, in terms of Joe Biden, because I'll just start with a big, big question. Is he buggered? Has he destroyed his presidency? I mean, he was someone he probably could have got away with, by the standards of most US presidents, probably could have got away with looking relatively ineffective. Um, Particularly given, I suppose, the expectations maybe a lot of people on the left had about him. You know, things like withdrew from Afghanistan, didn't launch any major war that slaughtered huge numbers of people. So he didn't have the kind of LBJ problem of doing some kind of relatively progressive legislation at home, but then just destroying Southeast Asia. And um, that came to a pretty abrupt end. That particular hope, with his support of his own sort of So basically, has he nuked any chance of winning the presidential election? Does that mean Donald Trump's going to become president?
2: I think right now all signs point to Donald Trump winning the general election. But American elections can change very quickly, and so who knows what happens when we get to October? Um, a majority of American voters right now say they don't believe Joe Biden or Donald Trump will be. On the ticket when it comes to the actual election. So that's that's a significant number. But you're right that there was actually a lot of goodwill, a fair amount of goodwill between President Biden and younger voters, progressive voters, and working class voters because of um, things like the withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan, um, students, some student debt pauses, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the most significant climate investment in. US history and global history um, and through that in he was able to represent large the majority of the Democratic base and majority of the kinds of voters who are most skeptical of him. Um, and then the war in Gaza started and the u.s you know in, in many significant ways Biden has broken partially or fully from the failed conventional wisdom of the Clinton Obama wings of the Democratic Party but on Israel, uh, he's frankly doubled down on a set of failed policies and when there's no uh, when there's no good faith negotiating partner on the other side, meaning Benjamin Netanyahu has has in his own self-interest a donald trump pres- uh, uh, the re-election of Donald Trump so he can get away with even more uh, gross violations. So currently it does look like... Um, Donald Trump will win the general election, and uh, I remember even many people in your country, Owen, were very much uh, jealous that we had Joe Biden and, and not Keir Starmer. And I remember that people were much more uh, happy with Joe Biden than than the Labour Party leader. And so, um, with desperately, desperate. yeah, but, but <laughs> things have things have changed a lot in the last three months, and he's he's bled a lot of support from um, young people, and then the key constituency. Um, it's it's this weird fact of american geography with our electoral college that the largest community of arab americans happens to be in michigan which is a swing state that's very difficult for a democratic president to win without that state
1: yeah i mean obviously people are very angry um those who obviously passionately oppose what's happened to to gaza with Keir Starmer, but of course joe biden is the president of the world's remaining superpower and now is called often genocide joe i suppose so I, i take your point um I mean it, just in terms of you know because we often in in the US and British context but in the US we talk about the most progressive generation ever uh, the polling amongst younger voters for Joe Biden is bad isn't it it's i mean it's it's terrible
2: yeah it's uh, i think something like um in in Michigan uh, it seemed like younger there's some poll that showed that younger voters so voters under the age of 30 uh, equally split between Biden and a third, and a potential third-party candidate, meaning either Robert Kennedy or Cornell West. Um, those are abysmal numbers for a Democratic candidate who's the num- who's the president uh, going for re-election. I mean, there's been a generational divide in the Democratic Party for a long time over issues from healthcare to climate to reproductive rights, and now we're seeing it spill over to questions of war and foreign policy. Um, this is a generation, as you know, that grew up with uh, wars on terrors um, in Afghanistan and Iraq that uh, failed. Um, and I think this generation is just skeptical of what the administration says, that uh, terrorism can only be rooted out through more war and more terror and more bombs. Um, they've seen that fail twice already in our lifetime and I think, want, uh, think that there's probably a diplomatic and political solution to the question of Hamas, the question of, um, Palestinian human rights and and do not support U.S. funding for this war. Um, again, it was already going to be difficult given the president's age, given the skyrocketing cost of living in the U.S. Like for um, many, that that affects young people a lot, who especially those who haven't attended college, those in the service sector, um, grocery bills, rent, health care, um, and then you, on top of that, you see that the president is funding a war overseas. I think it all is a recipe for disaster when it comes to the the general election.
1: Yeah, I mean, just talking about kind of, I guess, you know, Michigan's coming up. Can you just tell us a little bit about about what that means and what that represents, signifies? Because Michigan traditionally is a kind of bellwether state, isn't it? And its demographics have changed. You've had traditionally blue-collar white Americans who live there. There's a growing Muslim population in Michigan. Seen quite a lot of racist portrayals, I have to say, of its voters in US newspapers. So, what, what's what's the kind of situation there?
2: Yeah, the the um, Michigan is part of what we call the blue wall. Um, it's uh, largely um, one of the largest union countries, uh, union states in the country. Um, the United Auto Workers, most of their members are in Michigan. Um, if you think of things like GM and Chrysler and Ford and um, those are all those factories are largely based in what's left of them are largely based in Michigan and used to be a completely democratic state until um, 2016, when Trump famously beat Hillary Clinton uh, with 10,000 votes and a majority of union households. And so, um Michigan is also uh, where many Lebanese and Palestinian Americans migrated to due to war and occupation um, in their home countries. And there's this kind of, I don't know if you would call it poetic justice or poetic injustice, that these same new Americans, that these migrants who've become citizens, become voters, uh, become members of the Democratic Party, may decide the fate of President Biden and may decide the fate of American democracy come November. Next week on February 27th is the Democratic primary in Michigan in which You know, there's a centrist candidate, Dean Phillips, running who has no chance. Uh, Marianne Williamson dropped out. Michigan is one of a handful of states that has a none of the above option. It's called uncommitted. So the primary will have Dean Phillips, Joe Biden, and then an option that says uncommitted. Um, There's a major effort underway in Michigan, led by the Arab American community there, um, to get voters to vote uncommitted to show that um, the anti war constituency in the Democratic Party could. Uh, hold the margin of victory for President Biden um, come November. And so uh, t- 10,000 votes is all they need to show that this is a constituency that's uncommitted to Joe Biden unless he stops funding uh, the war in Gaza. Um, and it's been supported by elected officials like uh, Rashida Talib, the mayor of Dearborn, Abdullah Hamoud, who has a New York Times op-ed out today about uh, some of this stuff, the, how, the majority leader in the Michigan um, State House, um, Abraham Ayush, um, and so it's like a pretty significant effort. Um, this is this is a generation that uh, is very well organized politically and is like a core constituency of both the labor movement and the Democratic Party, and so um, they're taking this battle into the into the Democratic primary, and it's been controversial. Uh, like if you turn on TV in the past couple of days, um, you're just filled with talking heads and pundits being like these. Stupid people from Michigan are going to throw that are damaging the president's reputation before November. They're going to cause Donald Trump to win. Um, I think it's a very substantive campaign using the levers of democracy to get to put pressure on the administration. But, you know, many people in this country just see things as red versus blue, Trump versus Biden. And um, we'll see what happens on on February 27th.
1: Um, something which I thought was very striking and uh, it gave me quite a wry smile. Um, I can't remember which newspo- US newspaper so I read it in, but it had a kind of democratic source talking about young disaffection or youth disaffection or relative, millennial, millennial, I think that's generous, call it young, because the oldest millennial is about 43 now. Millennials in Gen Z who are um, upset with uh, Joe Biden. And they were like, well, they often consume their news in different ways, like TikTok. So they're not seeing all the ways that Joe Biden is really trying to influence Benjamin Netanyahu behind the scenes. And I kind of thought when I saw that, I was like, well, that's probably for the best, because anyone who believes that is being a bit of a sucker um, you know, if they're seeing on cable news, which does have an older age in terms of the average age who watches cable news or reading various newspapers, uh, leaked reports about how Benjamin, about how Joe Biden's got really, really upset this time. He's really, really upset. Oh, it's so awful. Oh, Benjamin, can you really cut it out? Honestly, I'm really, really mean it this time. Please just tone it down a bit. Um, is just because obviously the US has lots of levers it can pull like military support and it could just pull the plug anytime it wanted. So I just think that's interesting because they have a view basically that younger people, you know, because they're seeing basically children being blown apart on TikTok, that's having quite an impact on them. I think it's quite a damning indictment. You don't think of like the US media ecosystem that basically what are clearly ineffective ways to change the situation are portrayed as, Uh, you know, that that young people would would change their mind if only they saw what the Democrats were actually doing behind the scenes?
2: Well, uh, so much of the U.S. media ecosystem, particularly um, cable TV, is entirely framed on does X help or hurt Joe Biden? Does X help or hurt Donald Trump? and that's just not you know i i do think that a lot of younger people are getting their news from not cable tv from either digital outlets or social media and that's frankly just not how much of the coverage of gaza is framed in digital outlets or social media is not is it's sometimes much more substantive about the issue itself the humanitarian concerns that are happening the the skyrocketing death toll of women and children like the whole got much of the Gaza debate, much of the debate around the war is totally framed on MSNBC and CNN and other outlets as, uh, well, you know, the, what can the president do? It's, it's Netanyahu. And uh, in October, Net, Net, when the war started, Netanyahu was framed in a different light today because of the things they're trying to shed, sh- the administration is trying to shed. Um, its previous kind of bear hug of him. Um, they tried to convince us originally in October that the bear hug approach would get Netanyahu um, to do, to be less uh, vengeful. Um, now, you know, this, this Listen to Michigan campaign um, launched three weeks ago. In the last three weeks, there's been so many leaks from the White House and from sources close to Biden that um, they had this leak. And Deer- when they went to Dearborn, the, the White House said, that they apologize for some of the actions and rhetoric they had in October, and they should have taken a more forceful stance. They said that privately to a group of Arab Americans in Dearborn. And then, but haven't said, Biden hasn't said anything publicly even to that extent. Um, and, you know, like you said, like the main thing they could do is to stop funding a war. They ap- apparently disagree with. Um, I, I think that many people in Dearborn They keep saying and Detroit, they keep saying that uh, if the 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 policy matters more than the rhetoric and the messaging. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it is it is improvement that they're trying to damage control their their brand, I guess. But um, they could they could condition or restrict or end the military funding tomorrow if they wanted to.
1: If I was going to ask you a bit of a kind of devil's advocate position that just, you know, going into the weeds a bit and it does need a heavy caveat because Joe Biden. His entire political career has made it clear that he will unequivocally stand behind Israel, no matter what it does. I mean, in the mid nineteen eighties, he told Congress that if Israel didn't exist, the U.S. would have to invent it to serve U.S. interests. I mean, he didn't even put a kind of spin on it as a kind of, you know, on the terms of Zionism. Traditionally, he just said this will facilitate U.S. interests. That was the argument he was making in in his speech. But nonetheless, it's true. Fifty percent now of supporters of uh, Joe Biden think Israel's committing genocide, but there are other Democratic voters who actually support what Israel's doing. Um, and that doesn't include then the Republican side of the equation. And you have APAC, for those who don't know, it's the American um, Israel Public Affairs Committee, which is an extremely powerful lobby, which targets with huge amounts of money, uh, either supports candidates who support what Israel is doing or go hard against candidates who don't. And there isn't the there isn't a body with the equivalent strength on the other side. So these are real challenges, aren't they? These, you know, we could say, well, actually, there's a growing constituency, which I'll ask you about. But actually, there's a massive challenge. Um, so how, how, what's the argument there? What, what's the counter argument?
2: I think, well, I, I think there are parts of your argument that are true, which is that, um, look, the Arab American community, and the Muslim American community, and Frankly, like millennial organizations are new in this country, their political infrastructure isn't as well financed or well developed. Um, you know, I hear all the time that when it comes to calls into Congress, uh, AIPAC is always beating progressives on like getting getting people in district congressional districts to make phone calls to members of Congress. Um, that has slowly started to change since this war started in October. Like there have been huge phone phone and uh, like. Colin Days to members of Congress, Rashida Tlaib broke some fundraising records. Um, you know, it's still not to the level of the financial or political might of APAC, but it's developed. Um, but frankly, like on the political side, I do think President Biden there keeps being these op-eds like every day about what president Biden can do to win back voters. And it's always about he needs to do a TikTok or he needs to do a Instagram. He needs to do more selfies on Instagram and he needs to do, he needs to do, he needs to show people that he's not senile, blah, blah, blah. But the main, a big thing he can do that isn't about his age is that he can try to unite the democratic party and align with the preferences of the majority of Democrats, which is, uh, you know, uh, And supporting a ceasefire, ending funding for the war. Um, I don't think a Democratic Party divided against itself can win a general election. Um, He's pissed off a very large constituency of the volunteers that would knock doors or phone bank for him. Um, And, you know, this is... He... He has he he is the one who's fractured the party, and that's a much easier thing for him to resolve than questions around his age, which are kind of baked. Um, But, yeah, I do do think that uh, there is the political infrastructure needs to be developed, needs to be more enhanced. But this is this is frankly an ideological issue for Joe Biden, where he is much more deeply sympathetic to. Israel as a as an idea as a country um, perhaps the idea of Israel from its founding rather than the state of Israel today which is a uh, increasingly a far right ethno nationalist state um, you know it's it's also bizarre because you can find speeches and statements from President Biden about um, the, about Ireland, about South Africa, that are very, uh, con- conditions that are somewhat similar to the conditions of Palestinians today, where he was much more sympathetic to South Africans or Catholics in Ireland, um, based on his own personal attachment and affiliations with some of those movements. Um, some of the things that, uh, uh, you know, president Biden was accused of being an IRA sympathizer his entire political career. Um, and so I do think that it's, it's kind of bizarre to see where he draws his, uh, he, he has somewhat of a hierarchy of human value based on his personal attachment or his ideological views. So, um, I'm a, i am I am a little pessimistic about whether he would change his approach, but the only thing that has, that could potentially change the approach is, uh, the uh, whether the, the electoral math of winning winning the general election, Michigan being a pivotal state. I, I do think it's striking. It is worth just spelling out just how dramatic that was shift has
1: been in U.S. public opinion, because the U.S. traditionally overwhelmingly stood behind the Israeli state, and mm-hmm. um, and now the polling shows. You know, look, if you'd said twenty or thirty years ago, the idea that half of Democratic voters would say that Israel is committing a genocide. No right. one would believe that would have been possible, and and amongst younger people, you you can see very very hostile positions now towards the Israeli state, which was not the case for young people in the 1980s.
2: Um, so there has
1: and that's been that's bit- even
2: more that's even more uh, astonishing and surprising, given how when you turn on TV in the United States, every every time there's a commercial break, you'll see commercials from the Israeli government talking about Hamas, talking about the hostages. And you have most Democratic Party elected officials uh, supporting Israel wholeheartedly. Mm. Given those two things in the, in the public information campaign, public uh, affairs campaign against Palestinian human rights, the fact that those poll numbers are what they are is, to me, very surprising, too.
1: So, I mean, does it look like I mean, think something's got to give because, you know, it, it, it's clear which way. I mean, it, Israel, it, Israel's leaders are not clearly thinking very well about the long term. Um, in that the US is their protector, it is their guarantor. I mean, it has been put to me as well. Could just end with the rise of China, Israel might just go shopping for another for another guarantor, and maybe you know who knows how things will shift. But as things stand, um, you know that they are losing. That is that's very significant, isn't it, for the long term that actually. Because we can see the polling in Britain as well. There's been a dramatic shift away from um, Israel in favour of the Palestinians, um, despite the fact media coverage has been so weighted in favour.
0: In the market for investment-worthy
2: bags, watches and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer.
0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, of the
1: Israeli state. So I mean, so it, I mean, I'm just th- thinking that is that is growing. It's escalating. That's something you can build.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the ICJ case from South Africa, uh, the President Lula's remarks this this week, um, Israel has con- Israel and the United States have isolated themselves. I mean, the United States looks uh israel's making a buffoon of the united states uh claim to fight for democracy and against authoritarianism abroad this is joe biden's rule-based rules-based international order in which he defended his uh support of ukraine against the russian invasion um it, israel's making a mockery of any of those claims that uh, of joe biden or the united states and it is also in the self Historically, Bibi Netanyahu has done whatever he could to damage Democratic presidents in order to help Republicans, because he knows he gets even more political support, even more military support under Republican presidents. And I wouldn't put it past him to also try to drag the United States and Joe Biden into an unpopular war because he knows that the Democratic base is against that. Um, And so I, I it it is this unique situation where a lot of the, the electoral math and electoral consequences could potentially change the course of this, but um, mm-hmm. it is not going to come without a major, major political pressure and more increasing uh, protests and, and, and uh, lobbying of members of Congress, Colin days, this kind of thing um, to get the message across. But, you know, things have changed in the past three weeks in terms of these leaks, and I think it's not satisfying anyone. So now they'll have to try something new.
1: It's just interesting that point you made about how the US has become isolated. Um before I and people might not know I'm a PhD dropout, but um, but my originally my plan was to become an academic and you know I was studying American history and my master's thesis was on neoconservatism rising in the 1970s as a as a product reflection of US decline, the reason I bring that up is it did seem like the US was in steep decline in the 1970s, but then you got the collapse of the Soviet-led world, US power got a huge boost, went into a kind of triumphalist phase, which now looks pretty hubristic, I have to say. Um, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm in Greece, I'm in Athens, there's so the Acropolis over there, so I'm thinking about the decline, the rise and decline of civilizations. The, the reason I just, in the 21st century, every every major thing that's happened has accelerated the process of Western decline. Um, and that you've got other financial crash, obviously, but you've had uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, all of them, clearly catastrophes. And it just seems to me, this is such an obvious calamity for the West generally, but the US in particular, um, because it's such an egregious, I mean, inc- astonishingly deranged obscenity, which is clearly being armed and facilitated by the US. It's quite difficult to see how it recovers. And I don't know if that's even be thought of in the US in in a big way?
2: I think it I, I think it has because um it if they're if they're not scared of young people, if they're not scared of Arab or Muslim. Americans in Michigan, um, they are somewhat afraid of their statue. This is the thing about Trumpism that like there's so many people in the foreign policy establishment in the US that hated Donald Trump because he set the US image backward and he set U.S. relationships backwards. And this is this is something Joe Biden and his Jake Sullivan and other people in this in the White House. Say they care deeply about is resetting uh, U.S. leadership abroad, particularly as it pertains to the rise of authoritarianism, and also on climate change. And so, um, when it comes to things like this, in the war and what they describe as their as their Cold War with China, they they do not want China to m- increase their alliances economically or politically with countries in the global South, in Asia, Africa, and Latin America all of, all of these are countries who have in one way or another supported South Africa's effort at the ICJ. And so I, I think that, um, you know, this is, is in so many ways, like is, is the alliance with Bibi Netanyahu going to drag the United States and Joe Biden through the mud on so many things that they seem to care about, whether it's their election, their status, status in the world, and, you know, their hawkishness on, on relation on, on China. Um, Everyone knows that the U.S. and Joe Biden care way more about the Russian invasion of Ukraine rather than uh, Israel's occupation of Gaza. Is the United States going to lose support for uh, continuing to arm Ukraine because so many countries pull out from support? They see what they see that the U.S. picks and chooses its friends and picks its picks and chooses its uh its support for freedom, democracy, and human rights based on who their allies are, and so. Um, yeah. Would that would would that make the United States look like hypocrites? Increasingly, it does seem like so. And and Brazil is one of those countries that is the one of those countries in the middle that is could end up, you know, right now is non aligned, but has uh, significant relationships with both the US and China. So um, who knows what happens? But this is much bigger than just Israel.
1: Before I ask my final, que- uh, final question, just in terms of Donald Trump, I mean, he stands in this. Grim tradition of what I describe as anti-Semites for Israel, in that he has a long history of saying and, and perpetrating anti-Semitic tropes. Um, and Nixon was another example of this. I mean, Nixon was um, recorded saying all sorts of terrible anti-Semitic things, including it should be said to Henry Kissinger, who was mm-hmm. uh, of course Jewish. Um, that isn't to uh, to speak about obviously Henry Kissinger was a war criminal, um, that you know the fact he was in an administration where he suffered anti-Semitism from uh, a president who was four square behind Israel. It's just, it's quite striking. Um, you see this with Elon Musk, other examples. But it's it's been playing quite an interesting game because he seems to not be saying very much, as far as I can tell, making inflammatory statements. Is that because he's trying to just sit, not intervene in order to let this cause division amongst the Democrats? Or is he actually saying quite a lot and it's just not been reported as much as it should be?
2: I think it's definitely this the second one. Um, we have this interesting uh, media environment where the media has decided that um, they don't want to platform Donald Trump, and they don't want to. Um, so uh, they don't want to platform Donald Trump, and they haven't really platformed him since January six. We can debate whether that was a positive or negative thing for democracy and and, uh, political literacy, but um, a lot of Donald Trump's statements do not get uh, amplified or covered in the mainstream media. He is mostly posting on uh, the social media platform Truth. Um, in which he is saying he, he has said horrendous things about Palestinians and Muslims in the last three or four months. He has claimed that Hamas is coming across the Mexican border. He has he has said he wanted to uh, he wants to increase surveillance and deportations of Palestinians and Arabs with ties to Gaza um, and uh, and have a more muscular Muslim ban than what he had before. Um, and so. You know, we but we have we were this is why some of the polling is confusing because is if the media is still going to uh, quote unquote de platform Trump, um, what does that mean about whether any of these things that I just said are going to get covered or affect people's views? Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm under no illusions that uh, it's important to defeat Donald Trump and Trumpism. um, which is why I'm so concerned that Biden is putting Netanyahu ahead of that effort, um, and so I, I think he Trump has has said a fair amount about this, but it's just not being covered. Just finally,
1: what you got to say about whether Joe Biden will be the nominee at all? Oh, look, I know, you know, kind of, I prefer to talk about the politics, but it is difficult to ignore the fact that. The mental capacity of Joe Biden does not seem to be all that. I know, I know this becomes such a right-wing, you know, something the, the hard right, far right talk about a lot. And it, I, You know, part of me makes me think, just stay away from it. But it, it's kind of hard to ignore. I mean, what do you think? There's that and the combination of just Gaza. And there is a precedent. I mentioned LBJ before. LBJ in the end did stand down as the nominee because he was so damaged by Vietnam. Do you think that could happen?
2: It definitely could happen. I mean, one of the most read columnists in the US, Ezra Klein, called for that. Um, Ezra Klein isn't the most left-wing columnist. He is pretty mainstream. De- he's center-left, mainstream Democratic Party, and he, he called for a convention. Um, look, I mean, you kind of feel like you're living in a in a bizarro world where this th- when you watch TV or you read the New York Times, you have every Democratic uh, strategist consultant uh administration official saying joe biden is so uh he's so focused he's so strong he's his his mind is totally there and um there's nothing to worry about and but voters are not this is a huge divide between elite and the elite and voters where voters are watching joe biden's press conferences and he does not seem all that there um, and in the press conference in which he was defending his mental acuity, he got the name of, he said that the president of Mexico was controlling the Rafah border in Egypt. He said that Sisi was the president of Mexico. Um, and so, you know, those things wouldn't be a huge deal if it wasn't in the context of defending his, of a press conference totally entirely about whether he was too old to be president. Yeah. And so uh, there, you know, I, I think most voters think he's too old. I think most voters think Donald Trump is too old. Um, who knows how much this you know it's only february and he's biden's already had these major gaffes um john stewart said it really well on his first show at the daily show like does anyone have a recording a video recording of joe biden seem seeming very strong and uh, uh, having his wits about him so i don't know i mean right now it does not seem like there is any effort from the most powerful figures in the democratic party to uh, have a convention or or have a contested convention or put forward another nominee. Um, ultimately, it would have to be Joe Biden himself and his team himself deciding that they would not run. And right now it seems like they are going to defend him no matter what. And these are the same people who defended Diane Feinstein until the very end. And so um, they it will not happen without one of them deciding to leak something um, about the president that's damaging, like damaging career, like uh, fully damaging.
1: Yeah, I think you've just underlined why uh, after, I suppose all the kind of the great turmoil, I kind of call it, which has existed since 2016-ish, it, it's increasingly felt like 2024 is the grand finale of this particular season. I don't know what's going to happen next, but it, it does feel like things are coming to a head somewhat with many of the multiple Ukraine, Israel, in terms of the US itself, what happens with its democracy, this is a big year, um, and I think we'll be speaking to you more, if that's okay with you, Raleed, because uh, you're such an important voice, and I think people can see why. Um, do make sure you share this video if you're watching, all the podcasts. Uh press like, subscribe. lead honestly, thanks so much. That was so educational and disturbing, as many of my interviews tend to be at the moment. So thank you. Thanks so much.